Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Nerds Adulting Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Peter, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Josh. How's it hanging, buddy? How's it going? I'm super excited today to talk to you about this. Episode. It's uh, hanging low. About 23 inches is how low. I'm just kidding. Uh, so I'm doing want to see good. a doctor about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I'm good, Peter. I'm doing good. Been, uh, April's back home from California. Good, uh... Ooh, welcome back, April. Yep. It's good to have somebody else in the house. Uh, not only do I love her presence, but also I need help with all of my pets. <laughs> Every day was a slog having to deal with all six of them at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah, I know you have like eight million dogs and like four million cats living yep. with you, so I get it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. we are talking about the video game Outlast to follow up and finish off our eight-week countdown to Halloween, which was last week, and we're a little late, and it was awesome, but I'm excited to talk about Outlast and the franchise. Gotta be honest with you, it didn't mean much to me because I didn't experience the game when it came out, but I did find out some pretty cool things about the game, and you always talk about this game with such love and admiration every time we talk oh, yeah. about horror and you just love this game and this was your idea and i did play it didn't finish it shame on me but i played through most of it half of it about half of it and it was pretty fucking cool i gotta say even going back it's like a 10 year old game now right yeah, it came 10, out in 2013 originally 2013 and i first because i was streaming in our discord i was getting really fucking frustrated just because i was an idiot and i wasn't playing like because i want to kill right so I will say this. The one thing that, that was super interesting to me was you can't kill anybody in the game. And I thought that was really interesting. And I know we'll dive into the mechanics and stuff like that. But I'm going to let you sort of tell me like why it's special to you and why you wanted to talk about this game on this episode today. Hit me, buddy. Okay, so I love Outlast. Outlast, I originally purchased it uh, back when it dropped on console. I didn't have a gaming PC back at the time. This is back in... 2014 they dropped the console release um that next year and the dlc also within the year but then both got ported to console uh in 2014 i had downloaded it i had purchased and downloaded it i had heard a lot about a lot about it a lot of good things this is back before like streaming was such a huge thing at least the way it is now like not everybody was doing it youtubers were big i think around that time it was more youtube gamers right yeah you yeah youtube was bigger then uh not streaming but like uploading yeah. recordings ep- yeah. let's plays let's plays yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah and so back in that back in that time you know you had um uh what was it called a capture card you'd have to have a capture card that mm-hmm. matched the inputs for your and then it would record your file and you'd export it to your PC. And the hop hodge or hoppage? Hop hog. Hop hog. Yeah. I had the, I, I still have, I still have my Elgato game capture or whatever it's called, uh, HD. I have the original one, HD 60, that has a delay. So, like, when you, it does 1080p 60, but there's like a, like a delay. And so, everything yeah. you did, your mic, your camera, you had to like offset it. It was such a pain in the ass to do. Yeah. But, it's it's funny how far we've come as far as I used as to have technology. a I used to have a hop hog yeah and but it the one that I had was back when like you still had like the AV connectors and stuff like that it's just an interesting thing to think to see how far we've come like now you just get some software in your computer and you're good to go well you and still need a physical you still well if you're playing yeah if you're playing PC 
but the, well, the not capture- even not not even on console anymore on console all you need if that's if you're streaming to your computer but you can you can stream from directly from your console to twitch Oh right, I was talking about recording your content if you wanted to. Nope, you can it. you can you can do that too. There's a lot of settings in consoles now where you just press a button and it records or saves. Oh. I know you can save clips. Like I remember PlayStation, you could save clips and stuff, but I don't know if you could record actual like entire playthroughs to like an external. Can, you can, maybe you can. you can set you can set it and then you can have it sent or uploaded directly to YouTube. That is a bit of a bitch because you could like upload it directly to YouTube from your console, but then you'd have to rip it from you from your YouTube page, make your edits, do all that kind of stuff. So back in the day, you could actually, you probably still can do this. All of your VODs on Twitch could automatically be uploaded to your YouTube account. And so maybe that was like one way around mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's different. It's so different now because like I, I do, uh, I dabble, I dabble in the streaming every now and then. <laughs> I don't do YouTube gaming or anything like that, but the the technology i know we're going off on a tangent of of stuff but i, I love fine, streaming i love capturing uh video game content and stuff like that it's just a lot of fun and so the technology is crazy you can do 4k 60 and and like i guess i record through a capture card on my pc and i have a 4k camera that's going through another thing it's just pretty cool i mean it's so different now because i feel like People, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like Twitch streaming is much bigger nowadays than it than it is actually watching Let's Plays. I think the interactive, yeah. inter, I would say interactiveness, I don't think that's a I word. Mean, it, I personally am not about that, like that interaction. I'd rather watch a Let's Play. I'm old school. Yeah. Actually, it's weird. <laughs> I've, I've transferred. I, like when I'm working, I'll throw on Twitch. Like I, so... This is this is an interesting topic I wanted to talk to you about off this, but we'll kind of. So there's this streamer called Nadia who plays Call of Duty that everyone thinks is cheating. And, oh yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, and so I was like, let me just watch your streams. She's really entertaining. I think she's legit. I I've I've ca- crossed over, but I'll watch her streams, and she's really entertaining. I like watching people play play video games, particularly first person shooters like apex legends and things like that. it's fun to just watch when they're good you know like sometimes yeah. or i'll watch other streamers that are just have nice personalities which i try to emulate when i stream because i'm not a sweaty try hard that kicks ass in first person shooters so i just try to build like i like i like other streamers that build communities and are friendly and you know the 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 group is inviting so i like those too i don't watch yeah. i never really i i only watch let's plays if i just want to check out a game for a little bit i do both I'll watch some Let's Plays just to see how the game is looking or if, something, if I'm interested in, in buying it. But anyways, most back to Outlast. Most of, the, most of the time if I'm watching a Let's Play, it is a horror game. Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't want to watch I don't want to watch a Let's Play of somebody, you know, playing, you know, like Super Mario. I don't want to do that. Yeah, unless it's someone that I just think is funny and they're fun. Like, there's this dude called LJ. He's this uh, Australian streamer who has a lot of, he does stream scheme stuff. He's really funny. And so he's, I'll watch him play like Breath of the Wild or Zelda or just, just chatting just because he's funny. But yeah, I actually do like watching people at horror games on the stream because I like their uh, reactions. I like seeing them get scared. You know, like you were playing, I think it was, was it Amnesia? It was fun to watch you play Amnesia because when you were streaming it, it was just funny to watch. So I could see like your reaction. You know, it's, I, th- I think that's fun. Yeah. Amnesia, Amnesia fucked me up. And so did, uh, <laughs> So did a Layers of Fear that also fucked me up. No, yeah, it was Layers of Fear I watched you play because remember you were spinning something and like they had all these like dummies, like these creepy dummies or something. I, I yeah, think. yeah, that was not about yeah. it. But yeah, so getting back into Outlast, Outlast is 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 it's it's unique. It's one of the first games to do that whole like 
you can't fight. It's either run, hide, or die. You know, and it tries to, it throws another wrench in the in the in the wheel, uh, in the sense that everything is being recorded, and you're there's no flashlights. Every your only source of light is this video camera, which you can use um, night vision in order to illuminate your path. Now, I feel like that's a very unique take on a game, and. I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the idea that it's this horrible situation, that sense of, 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 of helplessness is there because you can't do anything. All you can do is fight. If you get caught, the, the music kicks up, and you have to run and hide, and you can hide in, 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 in lockers and under beds and behind desks, and you can crouch and hide, and like these maniacs, they're chasing you, you know? But then as you dive deeper into the storyline, it gets a lot more intricate. And it's really interesting, like scientifically, psychologically. And that's, that's really what, what drew me to it more. So when I heard about the sequel being released, I, day one, I was there and I played through the sequel. I played through the sequel the first day. I, like, I didn't leave my computer. <laughs> I didn't leave my computer. I played through the whole thing in like a day or two. Yeah, I, I yeah. gotta say, even by today's standards. So this is the thing I was thinking about. So it's first person, right? It's it was this is before Resident Evil Seven Biohazard, mm-hmm. right? This is before that. I really think that Outlast influenced Seven to go first person because of the horror, how terrifying it was to be in first person. It's way more to me. It's more scary to be in first person than in third person. Even though I loved. Yeah. I loved the remake of Resident Evil 2. I absolutely loved that game. And I actually liked the remake of 3 as well, even though it wasn't done as well as 2. But I didn't feel... It was still creepy and scary, but it's just that first person, like playing Village and Biohazard, is just super creepy. And going back and replaying... Or playing Outlast for the first time this past couple weeks, last week, it was really interesting to feel... It felt like... It actually felt to me like Resident Evil 7. And it... it almost playing it yeah i understand yeah and even by today's standard it's very different and creative that there's no combat and i was like me yeah. I was bitching about it. i was like, i just want to fucking kill these bastards like you know what i mean i was just getting mad because i just want to like but you can't you got to run and hide and the mechanics you're, you're a reporter you don't know how to fight right right i mean but the thing was there was also things about which I learned the hard way <laughs> was that you need to crouch, you know, even when you're just in the water, they can hear you. So you got to crouch and you got to right. move slowly. Things you do cause can make noise. And it's like very, it's very sensitive. It was very different to me. Like I felt, I don't want to say realistic, but it felt very, I felt it's, it's, it's tactical espionage horror. Yeah, I mean, it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was it was like way better done. I think way better done. Is that even, done w- w- better than the other stealth games that i played i felt like and and when i put my head when i finally put my headphones on i could hear when i was in the beginning of the game when you're in that in that water trying to turn the valves on you can hear him where he's at and i didn't have my headset on at first and i was getting really frustrated but when i put my headset on i was like holy shit like i can hear him but you have a nice oh. pair you can hear like where he's at and say so oh shit i gotta go yeah. over this way i mean sound sound design is an integral part of all horror games and and outlast definitely nails it with those little sound cues and it's, I, I don't know. Sound, Outlast is a great time. I'm, I, Outlast, I think will always be, um, not 
how do how do I work, how do I put this? Obviously, it aged well from then to yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. But I it feel looks... like it's going. I feel like it's going to stand the test of time for a good long while. Yeah, I mean, the game's almost ten years old, and it. I was still impressed. I, I mean, I could play it in four K now. I don't know. I mean, I doubt playing in four K back then was really an option, but. I mean, it looks really good. I mean, it's you don't need like for that game because it's so dark. You don't need a whole. I don't think you need incredibly nice graphics for for it to come across. But it, yeah, it, it looks good like it, for its age. Yeah. What's interesting? So some of the things that I thought was well, let's talk a little bit about the the developer Red Barrels just a little bit. So sure. Red Barrels was founded by I want to say Philippi, but Philip Morin. I think it's Philippe. Philippe. Philippe Morin, along with David Chateneuf and Hugo Dallier. Dallier? I don't even know how to Delaire. say it. Delaire. Delaire. Okay. <laughs> you can tell I did tons of research on this. Shame on me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And they, uh, they co- they're the co-founder of Red Barrels and the game level game and level designer for Outlast. What was interesting was that... They, who did they work for before? They worked... Uh, with Ubisoft, so they actually worked on Prince of Persia: Sands of Time, and right. then they also worked on the first Assassin's Creed. They also worked on some obscure Donald Duck game. I don't even know what it was, but oh, is that like back in the nineties? Ninety eight is it? It says they where they originally had okay. worked together on a Donald Duck game, but then they later worked on Prince right. of Persia and then the first Assassin's Creed. So they, it sounds like they had some some experience under their belt before they came up with this. But what was interesting was how they how how hard of a time they had getting this game made well so, not, well they, they conceptualized the idea to either be a film or a game mm-hmm. but they had they were dancing around with this idea and they realized that they couldn't make it happen with ubisoft so they they split off and made their own um company, company. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's when and that's when they ultimately founded red barrels so they couldn't find anyone to, to invest or finance the game until what I could gather was they found an investor in the form of a Canada media fund through which it raised $1 million to add to money from the personal savings and loans. So they, they were using their own money to work on this game. So they were like, yeah. this game was like something they believed in. It's something they were working very hard on and they had a lot of roadblocks trying to get this game made. And so along along with a handful of deals that brought contractors for below market rate in exchange for a small slice of eventual revenue. So they promised them future pay, you know, which right. is which is a day. We can't pay you now, but we can pay you after the game comes out. Yeah. Right. So it's a, like it's a drug deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's loan sharking, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it came through because they made what was the total budget with like one point three million dollars uh, was, was, was used for production. Yeah. One point three six Canadian. So it was about a million U.S. when uh, at the time. Like, OK. And so they originally shipped in September 2013. And they, they said the red their bank account was at the time of launch was virtually empty yeah so i thought it was interesting and then there's a lot of another little fun fact about like what led to the, to the popularity of the game but i want to talk a little bit about what you thought about the developers and, and all that because i find that really interesting that they believe in something i admire that when you believe in something so hard that you put up your own money and you push for it and then it turns out to be something very successful i think it's a great story 
Yeah, obviously it all's it is 100% of the time. I mean, it also good for them, you know, lucky for them that they found those those individuals that were willing to put faith in them. You know, because sure the game plays well to you, but it's like we talk when we talk about, you know, film or or even we've talked about video games before for this series. When you do horror, you're kind of cutting out a demographic of people that can be reached with that kind of material. So like Obviously, this game isn't geared towards 10-year-old kids. It's geared towards adults, you know? And so, I mean, it has very adult themes, you know, with murder and dismemberment and psychological trauma. And so, to, the, to those developers that, are trying to, that they're trying to get on board are those, uh, those financial tools that they're trying to get on board to help aid them in the production and uh, advertising promotion of this product they have to truly believe in it as well enough to be able to support them and what what a great return because at launch it only sold for like what twenty dollars yeah it's an indie it's, it's an indie title so it came out at 20 bucks it launched at 20 dollars exactly and it's not even it hasn't it's never gone up it's stayed at 20 dollars to this day you can look it up on steam it's 20 dollars and so Let's say, uh, what's the calculation? So we what talk about. So what I could gather in 2018, this was an article from GameIndustry.biz. They the Outlast series. So here's is where it gets tricky. So the Outlast series, that's this includes. So this is including Outlast Two, has sold over 15 million units, and this was in 2018. So what made this so this what was super interesting was the reason for this game's success was it was included in PlayStation Plus for free right uh, like right around la- at launch i think i don't know exactly when but the reason why they did that deal is because they didn't know how well it was going to sell so they went with sony's offer to give them money to put it on their on their platform which actually led to the popularity of the game and it's a, it's a huge reason why the game became so popular because it was essentially like we say free but playstation plus is a, a monthly subscription that you pay and you get these right. games, you know, included with that. I hate saying free, but you get games included with that monthly. And so for one month, you got this game with it. And so that that was a decision that they had talked about, the developers had talked about, that led, that they were very happy with what happened because it led to a boom in popularity for this game because it led to so many people playing Because PlayStation Plus, there's like, I know they just released numbers, but there's millions of people that have PlayStation Plus. Millions. Yeah. Well, not only that, if it's if it's released for free during that one month period, you have so many people downloading it, and then that word of mouth just spreads, mm-hmm. and it's just something more, and then you have content creators that are jumping on an opportunity to capitalize on a free game that they can put on their channel. Uh, let's say their channel is horror game focused. You know, they're able to capitalize on that for low yield. And all it does is get the game's name out there. It gets Red Barrels' name out there. Actually, it says, that, I don't remember, but this says that it was actually a console exclusive. It debuted early on 2014. It did so exclusively on the PlayStation 4. So I think this was a timed release thing as well. So that was an, that was an interesting. I think that's why they went with Sony. Sony was like, we'll give you so much money if you let us launch it on PlayStation Plus exclusively to our console. And so I think that was what why it was a tough decision for them to make. But yeah, they just you can you can't get it on Xbox. Oh, it's not on Xbox. Not I don't even think today. So. Oh, in? I don't think so. 
I'm not going to, I'm not, look, take what I just said with a grain of salt because truly, I don't know. All right, I'm going to Google this right now. Outlast on Xbox. And if it is, it was definitely delayed. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm confident that it was a timed release. Yeah, it says you can buy Outlast. Yeah. You can buy it now. But yeah, it was a timed exclusive thing with Sony because Sony said, hey, we'll give you money. You can put it on our, on our pl- platform, but it's going to be on PlayStation Plus. And so they went with that just because they, they were trying to get money back for our, <laughs> all the money that they had already put up to design and develop the game. But let's say, let's say, right, 15 million units sold. Obviously, that's across the series, but that's upwards of 250 million, 300 million dollars. Yeah, but see, here's where it's tricky, though, is because that, I believe that technically includes the PlayStation Plus downloads. So this is where, this is where I was trying, I love diving into sales charts, and this one was, like, really hard to... Dive yeah, because you, you have to find where it breaks down, like how many units are in, how many licenses are owned through that free download. Yeah, and I think that was included, the 15 million units sold at, in 20, as of 2018, I think that number included the PlayStation numbers. So it's really right. hard to gauge how well this game did comparatively to other games that year or the year that it launched. It's just difficult to, to toss that out there. But it's massively successful because they had a had a sequel you know and the sequel i think had a five million dollar budget and took so i believe the development of this game took a three years or was a year for the sequel or for the original original i think it was three but i thought i put this in. oh they had they but they they have outlast but then within the first year, they drop the DLC. And all that does is expand some background. So the DLC is called Outlast Whistleblower, where you play as a Whalen Park, who is somebody... He's the reason your antagonist comes to Mount Massive Asylum in the first place. And this is kind of like an interesting little fact. It's not really spoiler. Um, if you do plan after this episode, or you plan on playing Outlast in the future, the DLC and the original game take place at the same time. Oh, interesting. So I thought it was... Both, oh. both, both protagonists. The beginning of Whistleblower happens before the events of Outlast 1, but the second um, half happens while simultaneously alongside with the first game. Oh, okay, yeah. I was going to say, I remember reading about the expansion in the original took place like at the mental asylum or whatever beforehand. But I didn't know that also coincided with what happened in the thing. Um, I kind of want to jump into the story now that you kind of brought it up and talked about it. I kind of want to jump into the story because I thought the story was really, really interesting. And so they were... Have you had the game spoiled for you? Like, you know what's going on? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't finish it. Yeah, I didn't finish it, but I definitely read up on it and the story was spoiled to me. So I, they, so they were influenced by... What really I found interesting was their inspiration or influence of the real world scenario or story of the CIA program of MKUltra. 
right. I'm going to let you sort of d- dive in. MBI Ultra was like a mind controlling experiment that was run by the CIA, which included using acid and unwilling participants, if I believe. Yeah, like LSD right. and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was actually the inspiration for the story. But I'll let you dive into that because I want to talk about it some more. So it's inspiration for the story, but it's still derived from it. It's like because it's still not re- like real life canon <laughs> no yeah real, no no real history canon that this happened but um seriously some of the, the the experiments that are happening at mount massive are part of that mk ultra program or the remnants of what was once part of the mk ultra program trying to create you know these sleeper agents and mind control and 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 super soldiers and all that kind of stuff which in the end we do kind of see um, with the wall rider and stuff because it's funny it's kind of interesting um, the story how it goes because you're you're hearing about all these atrocities you get an email you're this investigative reporter you come to Mount Massive to try and figure it out for yourself you see all these horrible things with your camera um, then there's a patient who thinks that you're some kind of messiah and so he actually aids in you being trapped there. He thinks he's helping you uh, by trapping you there so that you can tell your story. Like he wants, he wants the story of Mount Massive to get out. That's, he, refers, he refers to you as the Messiah because you're the, the messenger, you know. And uh, it's just a trippy experience. It's a trippy ride. And at the end of the day, they're trying to get these proteins to synthesize with the human body um, to create this kind of like wall rider project or as you might say. And so the wall rider is when a person gets, I don't want to use the word infected, but becomes develops a symbiotic relationship with these nanites or nanorobots Mm -hmm. um, that can form. It looks like spiritual. The first time I played the game, I didn't really kind of get behind this idea because I couldn't conceptualize it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just gotta say, so nano machines like in Metal Gear. Yeah, but uh, no, (laughs) yeah, but I already did it. I already said tactical espionage horror. But you didn't say Metal Gear straight up. So okay, fine. We have two references officially in our podcast. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, sorry, I had to do it. We 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 missed Metal Gear in our horror (laughs) episodes that we've been doing so many times. So we got it. Yeah. Metal Gear reference. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but um, you have yeah. So like these nano machines, and they. Are perpetual. They perpetuate into the sequel, even into Outlast Two. So Outlast Two isn't like a years gone by kind of thing. Outlast Two takes place only a month after the events of the first game, but it still has a lot to do with the Wall Rider because its essence has moved on into another life form. Yeah. At the end, at the end of uh, um, the first game. Uh, you basically take control of the wall rider. Wait, the wall rider. Is it okay? I would say, doesn't the wall rider take control of you, and that's how it ends? Right, right. right. Like yeah. you, okay. yeah. Like and you get surrounded by, I guess the military shows up, and they're like, yeah. And then you fucking wax them, but that happens off screen. Oh, but you learn about that in the sequel. I just thought the so I thought the story was really fascinating. It was really, I mean, it's really hard. I feel like it's really hard to do 
a fresh video game with a fresh story that's not cliche. It did have like the horror tropes of like violence, which I kind of want to get into the 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 adult tones and the just the sheer horror aspects of the game of of just how violent the game is. Oh yeah, some things definitely some things definitely throw you off. Yeah. And and by off I don't mean they throw you off the story. I mean off like you're like, "Whoa, I did not expect that." Yeah. So, it's funny cuz I wasn't so I was playing it like I was playing in Discord when I first started and you were watching me play it. <laughs> and there were these two dudes like, like I think it was two guys. Oh, yeah, and the twins. Or, not the twins. We'll, we'll talk about that one. But there was like a dude standing in maybe it was the twins. There was a dude standing in the jail cell and you're like, "Their dicks are out, man. Look. See? That's yeah, their those dicks." Are the twins. <laughs> Okay, that was yeah, the twins. Yeah. I was like, what? I, yeah. I would never, I would never have looked at that. But you like clearly pointed it out. I was like, oh shit, they're, their dicks they're, are out. They're like, they're like all the way naked. Yeah, they're, I was like, yeah. They, they say something to you too. They're like, oh, he looks perfectly fine, just like the doctor said. Like they're henchmen, but yeah. they're super, super imposing. They're like these huge husky dudes, and their junk is just out. Like they don't wear any clothes, and they chase you. And they're hunting you down, and they're grabbing you and throwing you and beating you, and it's just a, woof. It's a rough time. Yeah, it's it's pretty. And then there was like a scene where, I mean, the dude's like it's insinuated them show it, but there's like a dude basically having relations committing, with a corpse, committing, yeah, committing sexual acts on what on appears that. to be an unalived person yes yeah, yeah and then he like gets mad at you for catching him or something and blames you for like watching it just it was like yeah, a really he, like yeah it's weird he's like what do you want what are you some kind of pervert <laughs> and then he runs he's like i'm gonna get you and he runs away and i was like he's gonna come get you and you're yeah. like no it's just a story no i was like no 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 he's coming right now <laughs> i was like oh shit <laughs> and, you, and you're like oh shit you had to hide that's right <laughs> that is another thing like about the game but there's another point later shortly after that where you like you're walking around like everyone's scaring you like everyone's like no one's hurting you and all of a sudden you open up a room and a guy turns like he's like i'm gonna kill you and i'm just like oh okay and then he like, starts killing me i was like oh shit <laughs> like he like lowly to sleep and yeah like, oh. that's the that's like the first time one of the first times where Oh, I mean, except for the 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 generator sequence, that's one of the first times after where it's like, it's it's shown to you that not everybody is so nice here, you know, or like, uh, what? Let's use the word uh, challenged. Challenged? I would say murderers. Murderers? Yeah, sure. Murderers? Yeah. And then you met the doctor. Yeah, that was a gnarly scene when he chopped, like, yeah. he cuts off your fingers with these giant shears or whatever the bone saws. Yeah. I think they're what they what they are. No, it's like, it's literally giant scissors. Yeah, and and so what's crazy is that that guy is actually not a doctor. In the so there's um a few pieces of lore. So we have the Outlast, and then Outlast whistleblower, and then we have I think it's six issues of comic book content that explores. Murkoff oh. as Murkoff as a company. Murkoff is the company that owns Mount Massive and mm -hmm. funds uh, the experiments that are going on there. And so they have a comic book series. I think it's six issues. I don't remember, but a lot of stuff is fleshed out. And that doctor, um, I forget his name right now. I can't place him, but I know that that doctor used to be a business planner or like a business associate of Murkoff, and he was fired for uh assaulting a female employee and he was put unwillingly 
into the uh, the the program that's being run at Murkoff. And so that's when he develops his insanity, and uh, he proclaims himself as a doctor conducting experiments on some of the other inmates, or say, uh, sure, inmates, patients, um, people being treated at the asylum. He proclaims himself as a doctor and conducts experiments on them himself without having no degree. And this is, uh, you know, it's, it's just a bad time. And you get to see a piece of that. Yeah. I will say he had a gnarly death. That was, that was pretty. Oh, yeah. In the when, elevator. Yeah, elevator, and he gets chopped in half or whatever. I was like, holy fuck. I mean, this game was, I mean, I guess it's not worse than other things that we've witnessed in, like, the Resident Evil series, maybe. But as far as, I mean, nudity, yeah. I don't can't remember, remember, remember a game where I saw cock and balls like that <laughs> ever, I don't think. You know, yeah. so, but it was, like, there was a scene early in the game where there's just Oh, oh, when you meet the, I think he was a military dude where he's like on a spike or something. He's on a stake and he's like, tells you, he's like talking to you and he says, like, run and hide, I think. In the beginning of the game, yeah, yeah, yeah. piles yeah, yeah, yeah. of bodies and stuff. And so, yeah. The, the game is very violent. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't mind it. I thought it was just like, the tones were very, very dark. You had, so that some of the, some of the it gets some it gets a lot worse in Outlast Two a lot worse Jesus but it even gets it even steps it up a notch in the DLC the DLC outdoes um, the whistleblower the, DLC yeah the whistleblower DLC mm. outdoes some of that violence that you encounter in Outlast and the Outlast is already you're like what the fuck but then the DLC and the sequel definitely outdo it um, in terms of um sexual deviancy and just violence and gore overall and first person experience pain um first person experiences with uh with pain and 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 mutilation and it's 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 really intense and it's to the point like for Outlast 2 there were a couple times where I had to pause it a pretty I'm 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 accustomed to that kind of imagery, you know, at this point of yeah. playing games so long. So it's like it doesn't bother me. I guess you could say I'm desensitized. And uh, growing up in the early days of the internet, I'm definitely desensitized to certain things. But there were some things that some themes, not even like out actual scenery, but some themes in Outlast too that just I had to stop and be like, whoa, like because it's it get, Outlast two gets really bad. Outlast yeah. 2 is a lot more of a psychological thing than it is about shock and gore. It does have its elements of gore, but a lot of it is about psychological trauma. And there were times where I, I like I said, I had to pause the game and really like lean back, like take a deep breath, like fuck, like this is happening right now. Fucking experiencing it. And it's wild to think that someone can conceive, um, through a storyline. I mean, obviously we have TV and movies and things like that and psychological that, thrillers, but that, yeah, that, that was something that I was thinking about playing. I was like, man, like you have to have some sort of like fucked up mind. I mean, I don't think people act on these, but I mean, how, I mean, I guess like you just think about the worst, absolute horrible shit and then you can put it in how you can creatively turn it into a story or whatever, or write it into a story. It takes creativity to do that. But damn, it's like, man, you got to come from a really like weird place to come up with this stuff. You know what I mean? Or like, right. it's just really right. interesting to me, the mind of the, the creators that can do this. And it's just not just in video games, not just Outlast specifically, but like, 
I mean, Clive Barker, like we talked about Hellraiser. Like the thing that gets me, like I can watch Hellraiser over and over again, but the hooks, the hook thing just dry, ugh, man. Like just gives me the heebie-jeebies, man. I'm just like, ugh. And so it just, it fascinates me that the, just the, you know, like I, I really want to ping someone's mind, pick someone's mind on that, on their, someone that's a creator that writes this kind of stuff, you know, just see where they come from and like how they do it. And like, do you need therapy afterwards or like, you know what I mean? It's just like really fascinating to me just how someone can come up with this stuff and do it in a creative way. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, the, the game itself, it's, it has original themes an original storyline and it's original throughout. It doesn't fall on a lot of like horror game tropes. Obviously we have the gore and violence and shock value, but that, but the storyline itself, it doesn't, it's not like any other game. It's its own, it gives you this its own sense of 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 dread and existence that it truly permeates and that's why i love outlast outlast will always be one of my favorite horror games to revisit and play on a dark rainy night you know yeah yeah so what was interesting okay i found it for for the budget for outlast 2 it was it rose to 7 million canadian dollars so i guess that's like 6.5 million US dollars roughly with my guesstimation, which is like crazy to think about. It was only one about a million dollars for the first one. But that game took almost four or five years to develop because it came out in twenty seventeen. So yeah. and they actually had to push that game back. Remember they had to push it back because of development issues and they wanted to make sure they get it out right. And so was it seventeen? Uh LS two launched at the very end of April twenty seventeen. Yeah, April 25th, 2017. Wow. I can't believe it's been that long. That's insane. Morin says the fiscal year since that date has been the most lucrative in the company's history. The sales of Outlast 2 are a big part of that. Morin says that there are days when they sell more units of Outlast at lower price, of course. But it shows that there are customers encountering the series for the first time, even five years later. I'm one of them. And it was on sale. It was like on sale for like four bucks, you know, on Steam. And so the I picked sequel? it up. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. The, the, the first one. Oh, but, the regular. Outlast. But two, okay. yeah. Two is another. It's the same. It's in the same boat. You know, like people are experiencing the series and, and whatnot. But yeah. Outlast 2. Outlast 2 isn't even that expensive in and of itself, even though it has such a huge budget. Because, I mean... They're trying to stay on 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 theme, you know. They wanted they released a complete game, and that's another thing too that was amazing. It was such a great thing. The game when you when you downloaded it, the game was done. There was no like, oh, we need to patch this, we need to patch that. Like it was done. The game was complete. They might have doesn't happen anymore. They, they might have fixed like. Maybe some quality of life stuff with people's engines, like running off of people's cer- certain builds on their computers, but the game of itself was done. You know, and and it was, it's such a good feeling to have that from from a development company. Nothing is in it's been, nothing's in alpha. Oh, it's been in alpha for seven years. I think I th- I forget what it is. I Star think, Citizen. Um, that game has been in like- Star Citizen. Seven Days to Die has been in alpha for since its release, and it's old as fuck. That's still in alpha? Seven Days to Die, I believe, is not fully released yet. That's fucking crazy. I, my God, I thought that game was out. I see people streaming it all the time and playing it, so I'm kind of surprised. Seven, seven Days to Die is also 10 years old. 
And it's still not fully and released. It's, and it's still in early access. They're still yep. getting... They're getting... Am I getting... Or am I confusing that with Dead by Daylight? Is there, no, aren't they getting you're, content you're, like... You're, you're confusing it with Dead by Daylight. Okay. I'm talking about Seven Days to Die. Okay. There was also a zombie survival game that was like on Xbox that was... But anyways. Yeah. So... But it's just a testament to how much effort these guys put into their storytelling. Um, I mean, if you don't, if you don't believe me, if you're listening, and Peter yourself, I mean, give the rest of the series a chance. I'd really think that you'll gain some perspective on what a complete game should feel like. Because from day one, the game was complete. There's no, oh, we added this, we added no. They released it when it was ready, and it was ready. There was no big fiasco about not looking good everything was everything synchronized well it was just a, a good time it's a it's a great game it's a great story it's a great company and i hope in the future to see more from red barrels well hold on before we do before we do our final thoughts i don't know if you want to cut any of this little back and forth out real quick um but uh coming soon is are the outlast trials which is going to be red barrels's first take on multiplayer gameplay this I'm gonna not gonna lie. I don't trust as much in terms of like releasing it, and it's already fully functional. I know they're doing closed betas right now, where they're giving uh, uh, keys to try mm-hmm. and receiving feedback from them. I feel like closed betas are much more effective than oh, if you pre-order it, then you get to be part of the beta test. Like at that no. point, it's not a beta anymore. That's the game, man. Exactly. Closed beta by, <laughs> like by Call of Duty. Only. You get to do the like, beta if you reserve Call of Duty. That's not the we, beta, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we only we only have fifteen thousand slots, ten thousand, five hundred slots, you know, to to try this beta out. And your feedback it allows you for a more concise, controlled environment to test your game on real players, not you know developers that look at things in a video game creating aspect through a lens that the regular uh, consumer does not. And the regular consumer is going to think of things different, try to utilize equipment differently. You know, so I feel like a closed beta is a much more profit, not more profitable, but a much more beneficial thing for a game when nearing its, uh, its lineup to, to come out. And from what I hear for Outlast Trials, it's not perfect, but you know that's what it's for and so i'm all about it and i'm looking forward to it myself yeah i i was surprised that that was coming out already and my son actually he like actually likes the outlast he's he's 13 so whatever he can play these games i don't care and he's not crazy at least i don't think he's crazy but so he actually really likes the outlast game so it's kind of funny i was playing the game and he actually already played it and he was watching me and he was like oh i was like yeah and we we're kind of talking about it so it's kind of cool but I'm ready to dive into our final thoughts. I'm going to give my final thoughts and I'll let you close this one out. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. So, Even though I didn't finish it, I really was impressed by the game mechanics and the audio and the story behind the original Outlast game was really cool. You can really tell that these developers put in a lot of love into the game. Like it's it's like when you see watch a movie or anything that's done with lots of care and attention to detail. And that I think it's the best way to, to describe my experience with the first Outlast playing it was the attention to detail. Like the sound, the movements and hiding and I mean the AI is not great, but it works perfectly for this game. It was just a very very everything was just so well done and everything was thought out 
was what I got from this game. And I really, I really did enjoy it. I'm going to, I'm going to, of course, I'm going to finish it because I was really enjoying what I was, what I was playing. And I want to, I just, and I want to play Outlast 2 simply because you won't shut up about it. But I just really, <laughs> I really, uh, yeah, it's, and I'm getting, I mean, I played a lot of horror games back in the day and I'm sort of getting back into them now for whatever reason. And man, Outlast is like good, just fucking horror. Good horror is the best way to describe that game. And that's, yeah. that's my final thoughts. So Josh, I'll let you close it out. Um, I honestly believe that at this point in the horror game uh, community, horror video game genre, Outlast has created uh, a name for itself. It is a staple. It is a standard that all game developers should aspire to reach. You know, they did the most that they could with the least amount of money. Uh, initially trying to do the best that they could with personal loans and life savings. I mean, you got to have a lot of faith in something if you're going to pour your life savings into it and just you know a shot in the dark and it worked out it played out in their favor and you know red barrels they're coming out with uh their their next title which is outlast trials we just talked about it and um we don't have a release date for it yet but hopefully it's when it's done you know <laughs> like <laughs> when it's complete when it's when it's the the best version of itself that it can be prior to going into the the consumer's hands and you know what i'm glad that i got to experience um the early stages of all these horror games resident evil unhill um and and outlast you know alone in the dark all these staple horror games that create the standards that we abide by now i mean i've also played you know amnesia and and uh what was the other game I just said? It? Layers of Fear. Layers of Fear is another one that's insane. And so the game is just good. And I'm never going to not put down an opportunity to play Outlast. I'll have, I'm going to play it with my son when he's a little bit old. And, you know, my sister plays it under my recommendation. And, you know, she's like, she's happy that I recommended it. Outlast is, in my opinion, a 10 out of 10 when it comes to war. And if you look at its Steam reviews, it has over 60 or 70,000 overwhelmingly positive. So that's that's really all I have to say about it. Keep keep on trucking, Red Barrels. You, you do it, you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to see what happens with, with Trials. But yeah, I, I want to finish it and I want to play Outlast 2 now. So definitely was, was fun. Josh... This was a great idea to, to revisit this game. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I enjoy this, doing this with you every week. So until then, man, tune in next week. See if we're still yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. See if we're still here. And also, uh, for the rest of the week, don't be shitty. <laughs> Adios. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.